Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we are talking about the uh, the whole situation with the Buffs offensive line coach. Um, let's just dig right in. Let's not mess with, Ah, I should say, okay. Um, tomorrow's Tuesday. We're going to be talking with Matt McChesney tomorrow. That's going to be exciting. Obviously, he knows a lot about offensive line play. And to be honest, I thought, like, there was uh he was probably like in the top three people you'd you'd most likely see be this next I guess kind of interim offensive line coach at CU, um which is also another fun perspective, uh but yeah we're gonna be talking to him tomorrow about all this stuff I had a chance to talk to him last night when everything was going down and um he makes some good points he makes some good points as he always does so that'll be fun. Um, Oregon game is on Friday. I guess let's just go in order. Wednesday, there's a, a basketball game playing uh, the Colorado School of Mines. It's an exhibition. I'm not really sure what the podcast is going to look like on Wednesday. Um, do we do one beforehand to talk about the game beforehand? But if that's going out on Wednesday, maybe we double up on Tuesday so that I give you guys a chance to listen before that game. Or what might be a smarter plan is just to do it after the game, although that would be pretty late. But uh, we'll be talking basketball at some point in the next couple days. Um, And then uh, Thursday, I actually don't have any plans for Thursday. Oh, we'll probably talk about the Oregon game. We'll want to do that at some point. Then Friday we'll do like the live preview, play some games. Uh, I think it will be Ryan on this week. We'll see. And then Saturday I'll be at the bar hanging out, watch party. Um see you there and we'll have the live show after so there's the plan for the week we can just jump in with uh, a bunch of news Uh, we learned a lot of things 
So, uh, yesterday, we learned that Mitch Rodrigue was no longer going to be Colorado's offensive line coach. Um, he was under contract through like the end of January, end of February, something like that. Um, and it sounds like they're just going to keep giving him his money um, because it's tough to get out of those sorts of things. Um, in his place will be William Vlahos. That's how you say it, Vlahos. Um, it looks like Vlachos or Vlachos. It's like a C-H in the middle, but for all of you who've probably read his name over and over and over again over the course of the day, that's how you say it, William Vlahos. Um, interestingly, though, the way that uh, Carl kind of framed things during his press conference today was that Vlahos is the, the offensive line coach at this point, and it's an interim position, um, but it's kind of going to be him tag-teaming things a little bit with Donovan Williams, who is a, a grad assistant who's been working with the offensive line. Um, obviously, there's a lot to talk about here. Let's just, let's just keep going with the, with the facts, with the details. So Mitch Rodriguez, um, obviously, he'd been on the staff since Carl Durrell got here. He was one of his initial hires. Um, He's been the offensive line coach this whole time. Worth noting, he uh, he had never coached at the Power 5 level before, but he had, it was something like, I think it was 19 years of experience coaching at the Group of 5 level. Um, made it to 15 bowl games, including the Alamo Bowl last year. It was 14 before he got to, to Boulder. Uh, most recently been the offensive line coach, or no, the co-offensive coordinator at a high school in Alabama. Um Again, not not the strongest resume, but there's there's little things that you can point to. Um, the offensive line this season has been bad. Uh, just straight up, point blank, it has been bad. And that's one of those things that I was talking with McChesney about last night. And we'll get his whole take tomorrow, but you look at the product that was on the field and it snap in, snap out. It was just ugly. Um, I actually, actually the first, the first possession or two, they actually looked decent in the passing game. Um, but then things fell apart. You know, there was a play where, um, it was like a blitz. So there's, there's linebackers off the ball. They're blitzing around the edge and on that edge, everybody is just pushing things inside. So the whole defensive line is moving to the offense's left. And these guys come swinging around the offense's right side. And they just collapsed the whole offensive line. Like the the tackle, I think at that point it was Jared Christian Lichtenhan. In in McChesney's words, you just got to punch him in the chest and move him all the way over to Casey Roddick and make sure that he gets in there to where Casey get him and then take this blitzer off the edge. Instead, he just collapses inside. And so there was so much of that sort of thing, things that were very obvious coaching issues um, that, that just made sense to make this move. Um you know, it, uh, how much of it is a talent deficiency? Honestly, at this point, I'm just really not sure we can say because it, there are just so many mistakes that you can't see what these guys are really worth. Um, I do think I, I oh, some of the conversation around this whole situation has been like, why didn't they make this move in the bye week? And so I didn't go to Boulder today because the press conference is on Zoom and I drive to Boulder a lot. And so I was like, ah, we're going to have some work to do today. Let's not waste two hours in the car when we can just ask questions from home. 
and uh, Pat Rooney, who is also on Zoom uh, from the Daily Camera, he asked a question I was going to ask, which is just like, why now? Why, why not a couple of weeks ago when you had the buy? Um, and Carl's answer was that you know the bye week was a week to get better. You know there there were a lot of flaws in the team, and we wanted to use that time to improve these players however we could. Um, and the other thing he said was that you know this week against Cal, it was just one too many. You know it's it, it was one more bad performance, and it just having that many of those, it was just time to make the move. Um, I still do think that it probably would have been a good call to to make the change during the bye week, um, but it's a valid point from Carl's perspective. You know, saying let's let's see what can happen now that we finally have a chance after this tough stretch. Because remember, they they had um, Northern Colorado to start, but they also had A and M, Minnesota, USC, Arizona State, and it's not like the offensive line was the only group that was struggling, and so. Again, from his perspective, you give these coaches a chance to to really work with their guys for two weeks and see what they come up with. And what they came up with was good enough to to beat Arizona. But then, like I said, it was just this one time too many, and it was time just to pull the trigger and say, "Hey, we we need to give somebody else a chance to do this." Um, so there you go. Um, is the I think what a lot of people say would be, you know, the why do it once the season's already lost? You know, why not make the change when you still have a chance to salvage things? Um, again, the answer is still kind of the same. Is that if you're just bringing a new face in there, there there's a lot that needs to be changed. Um, and we'll talk with McChesney. This is the big thing I'm curious about. Um, is is just like how long would it take? To, to get this group to be serviceable. Is it is it going to, to be like, ah, two, three weeks, four weeks? That, that would mean that by the end of the season you get to see a good game? Or is this just kind of, it, it's too late. It's too far gone. There's so many little things that you have to fix that it's just not going to be a good group this season. Um, but we'll have that talk with McChesney. Um, in terms of the reasoning, I feel like we've hit on all those points. I mean, Carl did say, you know, we can't put all of the blame for this on Mitch. Um, but, again, at the end of the day, it does come down to the coaches, and we're not getting it done, and that's obviously a group that, to me, as I've said over and over again, the offensive line has been the worst group. Um, and if they had played better, then maybe you look at the quarterbacks and be like, okay, you really don't have a chance back here. But who knows? Who knows? Um so there's a bunch of that sort of stuff. Um, let's let's dig into Vlahos a little bit, um, and and just kind of who he is. So um, he's a quality control coach, and I think that it's probably worth just explaining what quality co- control coach is. Typically, they're responsible for for game planning, so they're they're actually not allowed to to work with the players at all. They can't coach the players at all. They're basically just going through and charting things and figuring out what teams are running scheme-wise and then um, kind of reporting that to the to the coaches, like the, the assistant coaches, and then they work with the coordinator to build a game plan to beat that. Um, so 
here's why I bring that whole thing up. I, I actually, I was talking about this on Twitter with somebody today who said, you know, so he's a former offensive lineman. He's going to be the new offensive line coach. Why would he be a defensive quality control coach? Well, because you want him looking at opposing offenses. And so he's working with the defensive coaches, but he's looking at other teams' offenses for the game planning stuff. And it's actually, it sounds like he's actually this year. So he also joined Carl Durrell when Carl first got here as the head coach in March of 2020. Um, and when that happened, he was a defensive quality control coach. Right now, they say quality control, defensive blitz, and offensive front specialist. So the way I look at that is it's the defensive perspective how to blitz an offensive line, the, or your, the, the whatever opponent it's going to be. And then from the offensive perspective, looking at the front of the opposing defense and how that works out. And that could be flipped, but because you usually... So, so the way they write them on the website is title, quality control slash defensive blitz. But usually it's quality control slash defense or quality control slash offense. He's actually the only one that has the a specialist title that does these different things. So that could be backwards, but um, that's the way I'm reading it is that um, he's the, the, the defensive quality control coach who looks into how to blitz other teams' offensive lines and the offensive quality control coach that looks into um, how, to, how to work against the opponent's defensive front. Um, regardless, he's, he's working on the trenches on both sides, and it really probably doesn't matter all that much, the, the, the details. Um, just getting his background a little bit deeper, uh, he was he he played for Alabama. He was the starting center there. Uh, he was actually first team All American his senior year. Won a couple of national championships. Uh, had a, like a really brief career uh, in the NFL. Like it might have only been even a couple of months. Um, but then he wound up going back to Bama as a graduate assistant, and then from there he he was a quality control coach at Bama for four seasons. Um, I actually don't know offensive or defensive side. I wonder if that says here. No, it doesn't say in this bio. But um, he wound up going with the Bills for a season. Um, was quality control there as well. Um, or no, he was an offensive assistant. Sorry, I knew that sounded wrong. I was like, that's a lot of quality control. But yeah, he uh, when he was offensive quality control at Bama for those who were wondering. But yeah, offensive assistant there. I'd imagine he was working with the offensive line with the Bills, but that's just a guess um, based on the fact that everywhere else he's gone, he's kind of done that stuff. But uh, yeah, so so there's the background there. He's, he's 33 now, young coach. Um, and hey, we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously, you like the background with Bama. You, you like the, the background with the Bills, you know, Brian Dable. I wonder, I wonder if that was actually a connection. I should have asked uh, Carl about that because so so Dable, for those of you who don't know, he uh, he's the offensive coordinator at Buffalo and has been since like 2018, 2017, something like that. Uh, I think 2017, um, and, and he's now kind of the top of the list in terms of guys who are likely to get head coaching jobs in the NFL next year. 
um, because of mostly of what he's done with uh, with um, what's his name, uh, Josh Allen. But Dable also spent a lot of time with Alabama, and I can't remember if he was OC or quarterbacks coach the year they had Tua and Jalen Hurts. Um, I think Mac Jones might have been on that roster too, but he was um, involved in that. And obviously, we've got uh, Vallejos, who spent a lot of time with Alabama, so that's probably how they know each other. But on top of that, actually, when um, Dable was the offensive coordinator for the Dolphins, Carl Durrell was his quarterback's coach. And so... Dable and Carl obviously have a relationship. Dable and Vlahos have a relationship. And that, that's kind of the thing about Carl, though, is that you can take just about anybody and, like, any other coach or whoever across all of football, college or pro, and be like, well, guess what? He knows him, and he knows him, and he knows Carl. Like, there's always there's there's never going to be more than, like, two or three degrees of separation um, between Carl Durrell and anybody. But I'm gonna ask Carl about that and see see if the the Dable connection with Vlahos was wh- how he wound up in Boulder. But um, that's a little bit of a tangent. Um, where do we go from here? Uh, oh, like I said, so here's kind of the interesting part is that Carl brought up Donovan Williams a lot, um, and, and Donovan. He uh, he he played at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, he wound up being a student assistant there, and then he went to the University of Mary Hardin Baylor, which is in Texas, um, Division Three. Uh, he was there 2018-2019, and then he came to Colorado as a grad assistant. Um, the next year, also in March of 2020, when Carl Durrell took over. Um, so he's only 26. It's a couple of young guys, and I, I think that this will be a nice little change-up from from what uh, Mitch Rodriguez is. I've never met either of these guys. I'm curious, too. I'm sure that we will at some point in the next couple of days. And uh, that's basically all that. Um, there's There's like the technical stuff. Um, so let's take a quick break. Might as well take a quick break and then we can kind of go through and talk about where do they go from here? Um, was this the way to handle that sort of stuff? And, uh, that'll be, that'll be the plan for the day. First of all, I want to remind you guys though, Breckenridge Brewery, an incredible partner of ours. Um, I've said this so many times that they do make so much of what we do possible. Um, they fund a lot of it. And um, that's because they know that our subscribers are loyal to us and we'll be loyal to them and appreciate that they make things possible too, just like you guys do for tuning in or subscribing or all that sort of stuff. Um, they, uh, they give us beer for the tailgates up in Boulder. Uh, we'll have, there's still two more home games this season. It, it, in a weird way, like this season feels like it's lasted forever, but it also feels like, we're still just starting. Um, it's like, well, two weeks ago when I was like, oh, wow, I'm leaving Boulder. We've only got two more games left in Boulder. I was like, wow, that's that's not very many. 
But then, right now, I'm like, we still have two more of these things. I guess the when you start hitting the coaching change start, uh, part of the season, uh, you, you start to feel like things are winding down. But that's beside the point. The point is we got two more tailgates. We'll have Breckenridge beers up there. And you shouldn't wait that long to try them. Um, head over to uh, King Supers or the liquor store, wherever, pick them up because they really are the best beers out there when they come from Breckenridge Brewery. The good company hard seltzers are also really good, so try some of those if you're into more or more into that sort of stuff. Um, oh, also, I wonder, I just noticed something in Donovan's bio. We're talking about these crossovers. So he was at Louisiana Lafayette, and oh, I just <laughs> I just googled Mitch Rotary to go to his bio, and it is no longer on the Colorado website. Um, where's his Wikipedia page? What is going? On? This is a uh, not great podcasting. His oh, there's his Wikipedia page. I was like, they would not take. No, that's that's Michelle Rodriguez. Did his Wikipedia page get taken down today? Ooh, that's brutal. Um. Okay, let's see. So, Donovan Williams was there in 2014. So, wait. I just want to see how this whole timeline lines up. Um, in 2017, he was the student assistant. Okay. And then 2014, he was on the team... Oh, 2014, 2015, he was a starter. So, 2014, staff, Mitch Rodriguez was there. 2015, he was a starter. So, what about, did he was he way back there? It would be really nice if I still had these little maps. So, yeah. So, he, oh, no. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but the point is, so, Donovan Williams played under Mitch Rodrigue. So, I mean, you can probably imagine what his path to Boulder was. Um, back to the point, though. Breckenridge beers, drink them. Also, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, they've got an incredible deal going on right now. The way it works is any NFL game, you pick the winner, you put $5 down on the winner, and if you're right, you get $200. That's uh their their current new new user sign up bonus. And so make sure that you get in on that. Again, there's there's a lot of these games that are super lopsided. Um I'm pretty sure what uh there hasn't been a team that's been a seven and a half point underdog or more than that, maybe like an eight point underdog. Um that that uh, I think I I don't want this to be a double negative. Point is nobody that's been an eight point or more underdog has won a game this season. So you just know if you find a wide line like that, you're probably going to get it right. And again, that's a $5 bet. And first of all, you're going to make money on that bet, but then you'll also get $200 in free bets if that hits. It's a great deal. Definitely get in on that. And uh, remember, use that promo code DMVR at DraftKings Sportsbook to get this offer. Uh, it's a great deal. No purchase necessary. Um, see DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call one 800 522-4700, and you must be 21 or older, and Colorado only, but uh, there we go. Okay, so um, 
here's here's the my my big thought on the Vlay host promotion, um, and that's this: you really don't have many options right now because it's what week eight. We just finished week eight of the college football season. It's not prime offensive line hiring circumstances, and on top of that, you have a game that you got to get ready for on Saturday, and the Buffs practice today or no Monday is the off day, so they actually didn't. Um, but the Buffs practice tomorrow, and you you want to have a coach for those offensive linemen, um, and because of all that, the odds of an outside hire were pretty slim. You have those two factors. You got to hire somebody really quickly. You've you've got to find somebody who doesn't have a job right now. And on top of that whole thing, like you probably want the flexibility at the end of the season to reevaluate. Like unless you know Chris Crap Chris Kapilovich, um, who left with Mel from Michigan State, was available, and you could just lock him up for three four years. Like unless you have a circumstance like that, you're better off probably waiting and hiring somebody in the off season. And so what what this really does is allows both of these guys, I think, um, to to kind of try their hand. And if things go well, I wouldn't be surprised to to see one of them get the job for a bunch of reasons. First of all, if you can get a young coach who you think that they're a good coach, that is so good for your program because it just creates so many possibilities going forward. Um, first of all, you know that they're probably going to get better. So if they're already a good coach and they're 26 or 33 uh, when, when you're talking about these guys, well, they don't have a lot of experience and they're going to improve. So you have that working for you. On top of that, uh, the potential for one of those guys just to be a superstar coach is very real. Like it's rare you find a guy who's, you know, in his fifties or sixties and you're just like, Hey, this guy, let's bring him on to be a coordinator, head coach or whatever the big jump is. And you're just like, Oh wow, this guy is phenomenal. Like it's all about these days, these young guys where it's like, what Sean McVay is, is going to be, there was a head coach at like 33 or 34 in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan was only a couple years behind him. Um, all, all these big names in coaching, Cliff Kingsbury, he, he made his way through the ranks really fast. Like that's what everybody wants to be. First of all, from a coaching perspective, but also that's what teams are looking for. And if you're a a program where you're having young coaches move on to these good jobs, well, other young coaches are going to say, Hey, this is where I want to be because Carl Durrell, you know, he can coach the coaches and help them get to the next level. Um, kind of like he did with Taylor Embry. Um, so that part of it helps. Although like you, you, you see it and you're like, well, you don't want your coaches to get poached. No, you don't. You never do. But that's just the nature of a position coach is if they do a really good job, they're going to have better opportunities at some point. Um, and on top of that, they, they could potentially be promoted within your own program, you know, because, Let's say that that offensive coordinator job does come open. Um, if you had an offensive line coach who had been killing it, and they're what say Vor, uh, not I want to say Voorhees. That's the USC lineman, um, Blahos. Uh, if if he was a couple years further along, if he'd already crushed this offensive line gig, well then maybe you say, 
hey, that's that's our next offensive coordinator right there, and we can just promote him. Um, and again, I think they're going to be looking for an offensive coordinator at, at some point here pretty soon. And if if I'm being totally honest, like I'm guessing that the the athletic department still isn't in a fully stable place financially. They're not looking just to blow a bunch of money. And if you can get one of these guys who this would be their first job as a, as a real assistant coach, um, you're, you're not paying top dollar. You know, if you, if you, if you sign Vallejos or Donovan Williams, and I think he might have a chance here too. If, if you're hiring either of those guys to be your permanent coach this off season, you're not going to have to make him the highest paid offensive line coach in the country to do that. Um, obviously. And so if you're able to save a little bit of money there, Hey, that's money that you can spend somewhere else. And that's the other benefit of having young coaches. Um, also interesting, just those, those teams that, uh, Vlahos or no, that Williams was a part of with Louisiana Lafayette and Mitch Rodrigue, Jay Johnson was the offensive coordinator. Just crazy how all these things just tie in together like this. But, um, yeah, so I do think that it's definitely exciting, and in a perfect world, you would promote one of these guys, but they got to prove that they know their stuff, and this isn't going to be an easy job. Um, I, 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 I don't... <laughs> you will not see a significant difference in this offensive line on Saturday against Oregon. There's no coach, maybe, in the world that could make that happen. Um, Oregon State, again, I don't... I don't think that you can make all these changes this quickly. Coach them up, teach them that technique. There's just so many different little things to learn. Um, again, we're going to talk with Matt McChesney about this tomorrow and see what this timeline would look like. Um, but we'll we'll see. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about, though, was the way this process went um, with – Colorado so so I found out yesterday that this was going to happen I think the news broke when did the news break like seven or so um and I've been on the phone talking to people and all that stuff um and I, I didn't hear anything about Vlahos being the next coach um and I will say that what I heard typically came from the players. Um, and so what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is this, when the players were told or when the players found out that, um, Mitch Rodriguez was not going to be the offensive line coach anymore. They did not learn that Vlahos would be at the same time, or at least the, the way that this all unfolded from my eyes would indicate that that isn't what happened. Um, but that does surprise me because it does seem like that was pretty obviously the plan all the way through. Because that news comes out last night. The Buffs announced it um, today. And when they announce it today, they, at the exact same time, it's the same release, say that Vlahos is going to be the, the new coach there. Um, and so I don't think yesterday Carl was like, you know what, I'm going to fire Rodrigue and then I'm going to figure out who the replacement's going to be. Because look at what happened. Um, and I think that that's the right approach. I, I think that for a lot of reasons, it probably does make sense to just promote 
Vallejos. Um, you know, there were other options. Like I said, Matt McChesney himself was kind of one of the prime names that you would bring up in these conversations um, for a bunch of reasons. Obviously, he has ties to the program. Um, he's he's right down the road, and it would be pretty easy just to get him in. Yeah, he has a business to run, but it's pretty simple, it turns out, to uh, make that work compliance-wise because obviously he does a bunch of recruiting stuff through six zero strength. And so being on that side of it plus the coaching staff side could cause some problems but yeah, the the compliance side, not breaking any NCAA rules, it's actually super simple. Um, like he couldn't run the Twitter accounts and some of that kind of stuff. And he 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 has a plan if something were to arise to to get somebody else to run the gym for him. But and on top of that, though, I mean, you guys hear him once a week. He really knows his stuff, and you know, I'll say he knows more than Mitch Rodriguez does. <laughs> I'm I'll throw that out there. Um, and again, like, I'm not saying he should have gotten it or anything like that or that he should in the future or anything like that. If he did, I'd be incredibly excited for him, obviously. He's a great guy and all that. But um, the, the point is, he would have been on that list of people you could consider um, because of all those things. Um, but when you just have somebody right there, um, you, you don't, it doesn't cost as much. That's one of the problems with firing guys when you're in tough financial times is, you know, first of all, you've got to think, okay, let's take Darren Cheverini, for example, just because his contract is probably a little bit more complex. Um, but you fire him, you've got to pay that buyout, which is probably a pretty big number. Um, and then you also have to pay somebody to come in and do that job. Well, if you're just promoting somebody then you don't have to pay them. You you still have to pay them as much as you would somebody from the outside, but it's a promotion. Like the, you're already paying them if if they're going from 100k to 200k or 200k to 500k, whatever those numbers are. Um, it's different than just adding a 500k on top of everything else. Um, and so when you look at the offensive line situation, yeah, sounds like you the full contract is probably what they got to pay for the buyout. And then you either pay Matt McChesney or whoever else to jump in and do that job, or you just bump up one of those other guys and, you know, it, it saves you a couple dollars. And it's simpler. There's no time with the hiring process. Um, there's already chemistry with the other coaches because they've been working together. Um, the players probably know them. I mean, I guess that works in Matt McChesney's favor too. But, you know, there you go. Um, and so I think it does make a lot of sense to go this way, especially when you have two guys that you're excited about. And, you know, Carl is says he's excited about them, and I believe him when he says that. He would also never say, yeah, I'm just not sure that either of these guys has all that bright a future. We're going to give him the shot. At, you, you know, he's going to hype him up regardless. Um, but if you really do like those guys, yeah, give him a chance. And then maybe you can give him the job next year. Um, and if not, who knows? <laughs> Maybe Matt McChesney finds his way into the conversation anyway. Um, so yeah, there's that side of things. Um, in terms of other stuff from Carl today, uh, Nate is dealing with a bit of an injury, it sounds like, and may not be available this weekend. Um, also, what what else? Oh, the way that he was talking, is he said... He might have even 
said as bluntly as we are not done when it comes to coaching changes, but you know, he said that he's basically evaluating all of the, the coaches the rest of the way. There could be more changes during the se- season. There could be changes after the season. Um, and the, right now, they're just kind of figuring out that side of things, too. Here is a quote. Um, we're definitely looking at anything and everything right now. That was just the first point of where I felt we needed to make a change at this time. Going to continue to assess as we go through these last five games and seeing how much improvements we make, um, the likelihood or unlikelihood of when we needed to make any more changes or not. So it's still open. Um, I'll just tell you that everything's still open. Um, There's that point right now, I believe offensively coaches have a sense of urgency about creating a better product. You know, that's being more proficient, being more consistent on the field. Um, So there you go. I do think, I mean... We all know what that means. Uh, I, I think that Darren Cheverini, I'd be shocked if you fire him after the Oregon game just because, I mean, that Oregon defense is really good. And even if Colorado were to be twice as good next week offensively as it was last week, they still might not put up a point. Um, and so you just probably can't see any growth against a team like that. After Oregon State is probably where... You know, I mean, the Oregon State game is where Darren needs to take a step um, and show something. Um, and I read this as not not him getting a pass because the offensive line is bad, um, but you know they're gonna see if they can fix this offensive line so that they can get a real evaluation of the rest of the product and see if there's anything worth working with going forward. Um, I think that's basically it for today. I'm curious what you guys think. As always, let me know in the comments, and uh, we'll we'll talk through some of that stuff. Um, I think we all agree a change needed to be made. I think we all agree a change should have been made sooner. Um, when so many things are going wrong, I think it's tough to to choose one person to be like, okay, here's the first domino. Now can we fix everything else? But, you know, I think that this is a move that we've all probably seen coming for a while. Um, I, I don't think any of us really expected Mitch Rodriguez to be the offensive line coach next year. Um, and as and it turns out, who know, knows? We, who knows? You were correct. Um, so we'll see what keeps going on over the course of this week. Um, we'll see. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a wild one for sure. Um, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with more.